Welcome to the You Don't Know Schmidt podcast. Over my 15 years in the insurance industry, I've connected with some incredible women in insurance and leadership. Many of them have become close friends, and here on the show, I'll share their stories with you in hopes that you can learn something and apply it to your journey. We'll dig into career life and ambitions, but also family life and the other real and raw things that make up our day today. I'm your host, Olivia Schmidt. You don't know Schmidt yet, but you will. And I absolutely must give a huge shout out to Total CSR for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you so much for believing in me and making this all possible. I am eternally grateful. And now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon. Just depends on where you are and when you're listening. I am excited to welcome to the show today, Bobby Colise, who is the Vice President of Strategic Distribution at Grange. And uh, I'll let her get into explaining what all that means. But Bobby and I met probably right after you started with Grange, but you were with Integrity. So you're right. specifically with that division of Grange. Gosh, was it two-ish years ago? Two yeah, years it would have been summer of 18, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I feel like we were fast friends. We connected immediately and have continued to just interact and do some really fun projects together. And I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you and learn from you and be part of those things. But um, excited to just to get to know a little bit more about you today. I mean, I, we've certainly spent some fun time together over sushi and uh, vodka tonics. But, but yeah, now we can, we can chat about some other things. So, so tell me a little bit about your career in insurance and, and what it is that you're working on now with Grange. Yeah. So I started out in the industry fresh out of college. Um, I actually have a marketing and HR degree, but there were no jobs available in marketing and HR when I graduated. So I started out as an underwriting trainee of society insurance and spent about seven years in that role and then went into various underwriting leadership roles until um, I landed at Integrity in summer of 18. I started there as their VP of sales and marketing, and then most recently, as of January 1st of this year, took on a new role for both Grange and Integrity brands, leading strategic distribution. So it's a newly created role for the enterprise. It's a ton of fun. What's really interesting about this one, Olivia, is I'm building something from scratch, and that's something I've never done before. Typically, I'll just like step in, do an assessment, see where we need to do improvements, um, see what we can change and have fun with it. This one really is building from the ground up. And so I have a small team right now, a team of two, but we're really focused on four pillars. One is partnerships with national accounts. So if you think of the large aggregators, networks, brokers at the strategic level, how are we partnering with them? And then thinking through our strategic glide paths together and how we can be successful moving forward. The second pillar is around emerging distribution, which is where kind of you fall in now. Really focusing on where does technology meet distribution within the PNC industry and how do we make sure that we are doing business where our agents want to be doing business when it comes to technology. Then the third piece is thinking a little bit differently about how do we deploy our sales team as an organization. We want them to be doing more than just building a pipeline or bringing in trinkets or hosting events, but we really want them to be working in partnership with our agencies to discover what problems are you trying to solve? 
bringing a playbook to them and a toolkit on how we can help as an organization help the agency be, be successful, not only with range and integrity, but also with all the carriers that they do business with. And then lastly, we're really trying to think through as we look at state expansion efforts for Grange and integrity, how does distribution play into that? So our team's really involved in those four things and we're, we're really in the storming phase right now, figuring out what our role is within the organization and how we're going to make an impact. But as we build a team, we get more folks on board, we build up our competencies. I'm really excited to see where this goes. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> you're it's pretty exciting to take something from the ground up. Like you got to start with a blank canvas. Yeah. And then start kind of building your ideal world. Absolutely. It's, it's exciting. It's scary. It's challenging. It's fun. There's a lot of upside to it, right? Because you get to build it from scratch, but it puts you in a very vulnerable state too. Right. Um, So it's, it's definitely a learning opportunity for me because I've never done this before. So I'm in a place where I feel like this is a really great professional development opportunity. I've never built something from scratch before. Uh, So I'm really in a position where I'm learning as I go. Um, I'm experiencing things and learning things that I never would have seen nor even thought about had I not started to build something from scratch. So it's it's definitely a really cool role to be in, uh, particularly because it's new for the enterprise and it's, it's pretty new for the industry too, to have someone really focused on the insure tech space within the carrier side. So it's been a ton of fun building up those partnerships um, with different entrepreneurs within the industry as well and learning from them. Yeah. So, I mean, do you feel like there's a challenge in terms of understanding, I mean, you have your pillars. So do you feel like that's a great starting point or really does like tell the story of what your deliverables are, what those expectations are, or is it a little bit of like the creative side, like you coming up with some of that and some of it already being kind of built out by Grange? Yeah. So I think, I mean, the four pillars really tell the story of what are the bodies of work that the team's doing within those bodies of work. There's a lot of cross-functionality, intertwined collaboration that needs to go on. Because if you think about some of the national and the large agencies that we work with from a strategic standpoint, they're looking at insured techs, they're looking at emerging distribution and how they can stay relevant within the space, right? And we're looking at it for our agencies as a whole, as well as if you think about the toolkit too, a lot of those networks are doing something similar. So we're trying to work together and be strategic there. Where I do think that there's some interesting findings and where we're, we're stumbling a little bit as an organization is, you know, my team is really out trying to look for what's new, like we're hunting down new lands and, and really trying to bring back to the, to the cave, if you will, what we can find for opportunities to, to really capitalize on. However, back at home, the cave's running really well already, right? So we have, we have really good growth, our loss ratios have been great, our surplus is or was, is at an all-time high. Um, I'm not sure how the, the recent events are going to impact that overall. But really, when you think about it, if everything's running well, we're growing at a pace that's higher than the industry average. Sometimes it's a little bit tougher yeah. when you have a team that's trying to bring back some new fun ideas or innovative ideas to really yeah. get some traction within an organization. And as an enterprise, we've been really working hard over the last couple of years to create a culture of innovation. And you and I presented on that that topic, right? What are the challenges? What are the opportunities? Where can you get some traction? And 
I'm seeing that start to come to light, but I think it's always going to be a challenge within an organization that's successful, right? Yeah. Why do why do something different? Why do a lot of things different if what we're doing now is working well? You don't want to fix what isn't broken. Correct. Yeah. And that's kind of the mindset. It's easy to get stuck in that. And it, you know, there's, there's that whole complacency factor because everything's working so well, just the way that it is. But yeah, I think that's, it's exciting to see that they've created a position really based on implementing innovation and keeping. So how do you feel like, like I look at this and I go, this is Grange saying we want to be proactive about this and we want to make sure that it's constant. So it's not like we innovated that one time. Yeah. 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 It's like a, it's a constant flow. Like we're going to keep doing that. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, when you think about creating a culture of innovation, it really comes down to every single leader within the building, creating that opportunity and that safe place for people to bring new ideas and test and learn them. You know, we talk about fast fails. I yeah. think that there's more appetite for fast fails, but I think that that term is also overused. So I think it, at the point where we really get comfortable as an industry and as, a, as an organization, really leaning into what a fast fail means and being okay with learning from something that didn't work and applying that to future decision making, that's really where innovation is going to take off. Now, we have our innovation team called GeForce, who my team's working very closely with, both on trying just to, to help out some insure techs with investments, as well as how do we operationalize them. And we're doing those, like they have to come together. We won't invest in an insure tech that we wouldn't want to operationalize. So we're being very cognizant about the guardrails that we're operating with, just to ensure that we're investing in the right places and in the places that are going to support our company and our independent agents moving forward. Yeah. So when you look at all of the things that you get to work on creatively and everything that's out there right now, is there like a specific project that you're just really jazzed up about that you feel like either it's going to be a huge difference maker for the industry or, you know, just for the company in terms of the way that you guys operate and the deliverables that you're able to then pass on to your agent partners? Like, is there something that you're like, this is it, this is a major game changer? You know, I think, so from a project standpoint right now, a lot of my focus is around building core capabilities that we can deploy moving forward, right? So we don't necessarily have all of the, the API connections ready to go that we need to in order for my team to be super successful. So shorter term, we're really like, what foundationally do we need? How can we take advantage of that? However, we're not ignoring what's going on in the market. I think one of the coolest things that I'm seeing right now is just agents aggregating together, coming together to get smarter and operate their businesses differently around both data and technology. So in the past, you see agents come together because they wanted to maximize profit share or perhaps for carrier access, access to markets, or maybe even just a perpetuation plan. But what you're starting to see just the birth of these agents coming together and saying, let's put all our data together and let's use that data so we can all be successful and be smarter. And let's put this data together with a tech stack. So we can use this tech stack to make sure that we're successful moving forward with changing customer expectations, with increased CI and continuous improvement and efficiencies within the agencies. So that's been fun just to kind of see that start to evolve. And I'm super excited to see where that goes. And I definitely want to make sure that we are front and center 
um, with the agencies that are working on that data piece and the tech piece. Because that's what my team is doing. That's yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. There's just so much more thought sharing going on, I feel like. Nobody's assuming that they have all of the answers. They're recognizing the the value of a collective and being able to really like share that information and say, oh my gosh, I didn't think about that. Why do you guys value that in your organization? And then really being able to say, yeah, that would be important for us as well, or that doesn't really match up with our business model. So, you know, so I feel like there's just some really good, meaningful conversations that are happening that are able to help everybody drive forward more successful than they were if they, you know, just tried to stay in their own lane and, and play in their, their own little sandbox. So, yeah. So I think there's a, there's a lot of great sharing that's going on. And so it's, it's fun to see those conversations happen and they're happening everywhere. Right. So it's not just yeah. like they're all getting together. Like I see the constant sharing on social media. Like it is very, I feel like it's very open and transparent in a way that is like, we've just never seen before. And I think, as you think through like even the last 15 years, um, there was hesitancy from the insurance industry to do anything differently because they were doing fine, similar to what we were talking about earlier. Agents were making money, carriers were making money, everybody was just just great. Until customers started to change their buying habits, that's when we're, we're starting to react. Now, in that same time frame, when we weren't really reacting, we're very protective of all of our data, right? Even as carriers, I remember thinking, well, we can't share our appetite broadly because people are going to see it and they're going to copy it, right? Everybody's going to steal um, it. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wants this. Everybody <laughs> wants it. Well, what's funny too is when I was in underwriting leadership, I would get an appetite guide that an agent would share with me from another carrier. And yeah, I'd refer to it every once in a while, but I wasn't taking that thing and copying it, right? There was, we, we had our business model, our operations. And so I think agents are recognizing that too as well, that there's a lot to share to make yeah. their, their peers successful. And there's just a lot of business to go around. And I don't think that the competition is necessarily as crazy high as it used to be. I think it's yeah. more we're supporting each other to be successful, which is fun. It's a really fun environment to work in. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love seeing how all of that has shifted. Just like the perspective, the conversation is different. It's valuable for everybody that's willing to take a seat at the table. It's not, can I have a seat at the table? It's, there's a seat here for everybody. And so that generosity that's happening is, is pretty amazing. To watch all of that change, like you said, in the last 15 years, 15 years ago, it was like, lock down your fortress you don't want anybody stealing all of your trade secrets. And it's just, it's not, it's, it's so not like that anymore, but I, I love seeing that, that massive shift. So speaking of your role, so previously you were traveling a ton. Yes. And now you're not, you're home. So how, what has been the reaction from Grange and Integrity in general, in terms of how they're managing, how this changes the way you need to do business? with coronavirus and even employees and all of that kind of fun stuff. And, and how are you not being on the road? Um, well, so let's start with, let's start with the, the easy answer. And so Grange and Integrity, uh, we're really fortunate to just have the technology in place for us to be able to put our 1,200 employees working remotely very quickly. There was a time, I would say maybe a three-day period where it felt like things were quiet, people were getting adjusted, getting settled into their home offices. But very quickly, we were able to to get back up and get our business running. I will say that I'm super proud of how we've reacted from both a coverage standpoint 
and a flexibility around billing and logistics and cancellations and grace periods. Um, I really feel like the company is doing the right thing for our policyholders and as a mutual company, that's what we're supposed to be doing, right? So it feels really good to be connected to a company that not only is thinking ahead and prepared for something like this to happen, but also takes care of their policyholders in a time of need. From a personal standpoint, I'm an extreme extrovert. So this has been a very difficult transition for me to number one, sit still, because I think Olivia were wired probably very similarly. It's yep. hard for me to sit still. In, any, yep. in fact, I have fidget toys at my desk all the time. I'm constantly <laughs> moving. I fidget a lot, even when I'm watching TV. <laughs> so sitting still and not being surrounded by other people is, is difficult. And in fact, when I would typically work from home before Corona, I would, if I had something I really needed to focus on, I'd head to a coffee shop just yep. to get the energy from everyone around me so I could focus. So Definitely a transition, definitely putting pressure on my stressors, but some of the, the technology that we're using from Zoom and FaceTime, I mean, it's, it's helping, but it's, it's been a little bit difficult of a transition, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. How about you? How are it's, you feeling it's with it? Not You're traveling quite a bit too. Right. So I, when I started my new position, I went to work from home. So that was end of January. So I had, I mean, I feel like I had some adjustment time, but I still was trying to get out, like you said, go to a coffee shop and work one day a week, just so I was around people. I, I like the noise, like the buzz in a coffee shop, like that's my preferred. And so I was trying to make sure I was doing that on days that I didn't have to worry about being on calls and things like that. And even if it was like I, I had calls Monday through Friday, I would still spend Saturday in a coffee shop, like just just because I needed it. Like a trip to the grocery store was not quite enough. So now not even having that as an option makes me sad. I am definitely looking forward to the days that I can can do that. And hopefully, like I got new internet this morning. So I'm like, maybe my computer will work on my front porch and I can at least watch cars go by. Like, I don't know. <laughs> this is going to be my social interaction at this point. Yeah. My kids are only going to talk to me probably for so long. <laughs> They're going to be like, why? Why are you still sitting here? Be like, well, <laughs> we're all here together, guys. Let's have a conversation. So yeah, so that's been it's such a massive shift. Um, I felt like maybe I was going to adjust better just because I had a few weeks under my belt of just working from home in general. But yeah, it's it's hard. You can't even like I can't meet a friend for lunch. Like that's mm, kind of yeah. stinks. But yeah. So and you have two girls at home, correct? Correct. Yeah. And how old are they? So Eleanor, my oldest is 12, and then Farah is eight. Um, oh. And Farah is very similar to me from a personality perspective. So she's a social butterfly. She's an extreme extrovert. Eleanor gets my OCD traits and her drive and ambition. Um, Farah, unfortunately, doesn't necessarily have quite as much drive and, and ambition as her older sister. She wants to. Um, so it's... <laughs> On the bright side, Eleanor's really good at managing schedules and she's very, you know, methodical in, in her ways. And so she's she's been doing a good job of kind of keeping Farah on track upstairs with her schoolwork and we have a predetermined schedule. So that's that's been very helpful. But they're they're both lovely little ladies and I'm sure they're gonna grow up to be really strong women, right? So yeah. Um I'm hoping I'm having a little bit of influence over 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 them at this point, right? I I, I would say you are definitely having a great influence. I love seeing the, all the photos on social of of the fun adventures that you guys take on. So definitely, I'm sure that we're all looking forward to more of those adventures in the future. 
Yeah. So homeschooling is going okay then? Like you guys are, you're navigating that and, and figuring it out? Yeah. I mean, this is day four. We had spring break in here. So I would say it's been going okay so far. I am fearful of day 20 or day <laughs> 30. And also the girls too. I mean, if, if I don't know if you have sisters, Olivia, but I grew up as an only child. So this whole sibling relationship yeah. thing to me isn't familiar. And um, they, they truly do have a love-hate relationship. I, I'm, I've been impressed so far that they haven't tried to, to kill each other. However, I am very fearful as time goes by on that situation and how they're getting along and supporting each other moving forward. So, so far we've been okay. But I continue to remain cautiously optimistic on the future, depending on how, on how long this trades out. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So I, I have two boys and a girl. She's like the odd woman out a lot of the time. And so making sure that she feels occupied while her brothers are okay hanging out with each other or just ignoring the world. And she's, she's like me, like she wants to socialize with people. She wants to go to the neighbor's house. She doesn't get it, but we're figuring it out. I think they're, they're going to learn a little bit different version of independence than what I thought I was going to have to teach them. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So it's not, you know, we're going to, we're going to find the good things and we're going to, I don't know, I'm probably going to learn a whole bunch of new thing or relearn things that I forgot about from my own days of being in elementary and middle school. <laughs> Absolutely. And common core math. Like it's, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm not, I am not ready for this at all. I have not looked at math homework, like anything else. I'm like, I'm on board, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just hoping that they, they feel somewhat educated by the time the end of May rolls around. <laughs> Hope so. I'm praying that my kids go back to school at least a couple of weeks before the end of the end of the school year. So again, cautiously optimistic. Exactly. But, but hoping, hoping they at least get a little bit more time um, with their classmates and some social time before summer hits. Yeah. So that's, I, I feel like that's the best we can do is just, yeah, remain cautiously optimistic. Yeah. I'm a little bit blindly optimistic to be perfectly. I'm like, nope, it's all going to go back. It'll be fine. Everything's going to be great. We'll be on vacation in no time. Like, We'll be, we'll be on the beach. Like, I, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to tell you that it is going to be a vacation with lots of people around me <laughs> whenever it happens. Yes. I don't even know. Like, I thought everybody would want to travel. And then I hear people saying like, oh, I'm going to be a cautious traveler. I'm like, really? Because I'm going to be like, just bring in the hugs. Like, I have missed you. I don't even know who you are, but I missed you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So when you look back on your career in insurance, and obviously you've had some great success, and um, and you think about your daughters eventually going into the workforce and hopefully wanting to chart their own path and all of that kind of fun stuff, what kind of advice would you give a female starting out in the industry? Yeah, I, you know, I think it really comes down to, and this might be my extroversion a little bit coming out, is really to, to make sure that you surround your people, yourself with people that are, are super talented. Um, when I think back to all of the amazing things that have happened within my career, it, it hasn't just been me, right? It's been a, a team of folks that have been around me. It's been some super awesome mentors that took me under their wing. Um, it's been that amazing boss who wasn't afraid to give you constructive feedback, but knew how to give it to you in a way where you could consume it and then it, do something about it to improve yourself. You know, most importantly, I think 
the biggest lesson that I've learned and you know, we hear this all the time, but it's so true is you, you just really need to sit back and listen, especially as an extrovert who likes to talk and socialize. I've really found that a lot of the answers to problems we were trying to solve really came from the folks that were around me. And if you just sat back and give the, the opportunity in that safe environment for people to say, say to you candidly what needs to change, whether that's something within the operations or something that I'm doing as a leader or as an employee that I could be doing differently, if you give them that permission to be candid with you, you can really do some awesome things because all of the knowledge is there. You just need to harvest it, right? It's been a ton of fun. And, you know, the, the best part about this industry is the people. And, you know, kind of going back to a point that was made earlier, this industry is really kind of lame, to be honest, with all the people. Like, we're, we're selling contracts, yeah. contracts to cover... <laughs> to cover losses when something <laughs> yeah. bad happens. I mean, it, it's needed and it's a necessary evil within, you know, our life and within our, our um, you know, economics. However, without the people, it's really kind of boring. And I think even this COVID thing is, is enhancing that for me a little bit. Yeah. Like, without the people around you, without those relationships, without being able to travel and meet new people and network, it, it really does just become a contract and, and executing. So who has had the biggest impact on your life? When you look back on the mentors and the people that have brought you along through your career, can you think of, I mean, if you have your one, great. But if there's a couple, I'd love to hear about. I'd love to yeah, hear. I, you know, I think I have a handful. The first person that comes to mind who gave me a lot of opportunities to participate in strategy really pushed me hard to develop um, as a young insurance professional was Bill Reeves. He was the VP of Commercial Lines and the COO at Society Insurance during my time there. And he really exposed me to a lot of higher level things. I was involved in strategic planning, I think, you know, in my early, late 20s, early 30s. And it really gave me a lens into what it, it, it looks like to run an insurance operation and how to be successful. He not only did that, but he taught me a lot about leadership as well. The guy had, you know, some some tough times personally, and he was the most optimistic and positive person that you would ever see walking down the hallways. And just his ability to, to lift your spirits on any given day was amazing. And I, I took a lot of plays out of his playbook, to be honest, because I admired him so much through, through his leadership, not only in the insurance operations, but also in people leadership. I've also had the fortunate opportunities to have two very strong female leaders be my boss um, during my career. One of those ladies, her name is Holly Lifke. Um, she's now not in the insurance industry anymore, but she really understood me at my core, took the time to understand me at my core, and challenged me to be better. We had a very vulnerable relationship, and you know, we talked a lot about vulnerability and, and how that can be a, a super asset. And when you get to that point with your boss, it really does become an opportunity for you to become better and to build yourself. And, you know, between her and my current boss, Jill Wagner Kelly, um, it's, it's, it's been um, a tremendous opportunity for me to learn from them on how to be a strong woman within an industry that is full of a lot of strong men. Mm -hmm. and how to navigate through that successfully and maybe stub your toe a few times and learn from it. But they're both done incredible within their careers, and they've had a lot of wisdom and advice to share with me along the way. So um, 
when I think through those three people, from a career standpoint, they've had a significant impact. Um, and then, you know, when it, personally, it really comes down to, you know, obviously my parents have been awesome. My kids have taught me a lot about how to be a better person. And right. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's so funny how kids do that. You're like, I can't yeah. look up to you. And you know, when they get the notes home from the teacher and you're like, Oh, you did that? Like, why don't I do stuff like that? Like, that, so I look at that stuff and I'm like, okay, like there's a moment of self-reflection that happens when I get those notes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they're amazing. And then, you know, there's just those people in your life on a personal basis, whether those are friendships, you know, and something else that I've learned is, you know, there's constant change, right? People change, um, you know, organizations change, cultures change, friendships change over time, but there's, there's folks along the way that have made a significant impact. And most of those folks either taught you a, a life lesson that was tough to get through, or they were back to the vulnerability piece. They're extremely vulnerable and transparent with you with really great communication styles and were able to really forge a relationship that is mutually beneficial, right? And, and those are the folks that you really want to grab onto and, and keep close to your rest and keep in your small tribe because um, those are the folks that are going to continue to make you better moving forward. Yeah, my, my daughter's first grade teacher explained, and I'm going to get it wrong, but she was talking about how you have like, you have your friends that you can count on one hand. She used some other body parts. This is horrible, but it was like your, your hand friends. And then you have like the ones that are, that are more, they're more at an arm's length in your life, but they're, it's like a bigger group, but like having that core, that core five that always feels very close to you. It's so valuable. Like, so it, like if you could, I have two more questions for you. How do we get more females? Like how do we encourage them into leadership positions? Cause the stats are out there that if women don't feel like they meet most of the qualifications, like they don't go for it. So I feel like you've been encouraged so much in your path that you've just been like, you just go for it. And I don't remember, I don't remember what my second question was now. So let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's dig into that one. Oh my gosh, I just totally lost it. But how do we, how do we encourage more women to pursue leadership? You know, I was reflecting on this the other day. And, and one of the things that I've noticed throughout my career is women can be good leaders. And those that have the potential to be good leaders are right in front of us. But typically, they don't have the confidence to, to move forward with it. And one of the things that I've been working really hard with um, when, when I have someone who I think is high potential, who's a female on my team and male as well, the, our females definitely have different challenges, right? is to really try to find ways for them to not only build their confidence, but build their brand within the organization, right? And so that really comes with counsel. It comes with understanding how to be agile within the organization. It understands or it comes with understanding what type of politics you're dealing with. And, and so, I mean, that's, that's the biggest piece, I think, is the confidence piece. And then the ability to manage your emotional intelligence to a point where you can still be assertive but not come off as a bull in a china shop. Yeah. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, there's been times within my career where that's been a label, right? Like you're a bull in a china shop, you need to slow down, you need to, to, to bring people together. And so, you know, it's, it's trying to manage through that and figure it out and 
every single team or every single work group that you're with is different. Right? So you really need to be able to assess that situation yeah. and understand how to get things done. Right. And, and there's been times, unfortunately, too, Olivia, where I recognized within a work group that for whatever reason, I couldn't get anything done. And then that's when I would start to tap some of my trusted male counterparts within that work group and said, Hey, this is an idea. I want you to bring it up because I want it to get done. Mm. Um, so it's really, how do you navigate through, but back to your original question, I, it really comes down to building their confidence and helping them build their brand. So then their credibility is at a place where they can be successful. And then they feel like deep down inside that not only have they established that, but also that they have the ability. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, you, you got to find those small wins for them. And you almost have, I feel like you have to point it out. Like this was a win and you should capitalize on it. And I yeah. think, yeah, it's like confidence isn't built overnight. Mm -mm. And I think it can be, it's, I think it's a tough, it's a tough world to navigate for, especially depending on how many years or how much expertise you feel like you have in whatever it is that you're doing or what you want to pursue. So yeah, I think, yeah, anything we can do to build that confidence. So is there, what advice would you give your younger self, you know, back in those days when you were first starting out? Yeah. I mean, oh my goodness. There's so much I've learned along the way. Do you think like, cause I think we're the same age-ish. I don't ask people their age, but I think we're the same age-ish. <laughs> like I look at it and I go, I would never go back to my twenties. Like never, yeah. like I don't look at it and go, oh my gosh, I wish I was 25 again. Like I don't have those kinds of thoughts. I feel like there was so much value in the experience, but, and I like to think I'm aging gracefully and I don't need to go back to the age 25. You are definitely. <laughs> As are you, Bobby. But what advice would you give your younger self? Like if, if you could go back and do that? I think to your earlier point, spend more time celebrating some of those small wins. Yeah, I, I'm wired just to, okay, we got that accomplished, now what's next? Maybe just sit back and, and enjoy the accomplishments, celebrate them a little bit longer, and maybe even just take a, a, just a moment of pause and a moment of rest before tackling the next project. That's definitely one big one. Also, recently, and within the last year, I heard a speaker um, his name's Alan Schaefer. He talks about banding together to collaborate. I don't know if you've heard of him, mm -hmm. um, but he, he really takes personality styles and ties them into music and helps folks within an organization figure out how to work more effectively together. But he said something that really resonated with me. And he says, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And I think to some degree, it would be good for all of us just to slow down a little bit. Because if we slow down and smooth it out, we'll probably accomplish more. Yeah. Versus running really fast and sprinting and then running into a wall. And then running really fast and sprinting and running into a wall. Just smooth it out a little bit and slow down and you'll probably accomplish more and be a little bit less stressed um, along your journey. And I think the other, maybe the last thing, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but the, the whole concept of change is constant. And you just need to be able to roll with the waves instead of trying to swim against them. And I think that the fun part about my journey so far is I think there's been a couple opportunities for me to make the wave myself, right? Yeah. Drive change hard. And um, while it is a little contradictory to what I just said about slowing down, when you're able to find that opportunity to make the wave, 
have the confidence to capitalize on it and jump on that surfboard and really enjoy the ride. Um, it's a ton of fun to, to make the wave and to see it through to the end and then, and then take the time to celebrate. Right? Yeah. I love it. I love it. So what are future plans? Do you have, I mean, obviously you're, you're on the, uh, on the precipice of a big project. I mean, a lot that you're going to be doing and all sorts of exciting things. And obviously, um, I don't know if coronavirus slows down any of those projects, but certainly maybe changes the strategy behind them a little bit. But, you know, are there, are there other big things that you hope to do in your, in your future? If you, if you could look out 10 years, you know, what does that look like for you? Yeah, you know, this is a really hard question for me to answer only because when I, when I think about my path and most recently, like the last five years, I would never have guessed I'd be where I am today. It's probably very similar to you, right? Yeah, absolutely. The pace of change, the amount of opportunities that have presented themselves and the things that we're working on are, they're really cool. And if, you know, when I look at the, the shorter term future over the next year or two. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to kind of test and learn some of these new capabilities, be a little bit more strategic in the choices that we're going to make and the investments we're going to make with partnerships when it comes to InsureTechs and, and some of the newer agencies that are coming up developing some of those new capabilities. But I think, you know, if three or five years from now, I can look back at this journey of building this team and know that we accomplished our mission of, of really being able to support the success of our agents and our, our distribution partners moving forward and kept them relevant and kept ourselves relevant, that will be a key to success. Now, 10 years from now, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's going to be something that I don't even know exists right now. I'll be no. in some sort of weird career, maybe building something again. Yeah. Or maybe I'll get really fortunate and win the lottery and just be on a yacht somewhere in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, um, <laughs> just chilling out. So. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did have somebody on that said that their dream job was lottery winner. <laughs> I thought I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty fair. I don't think even if people deny it, they secretly are hoping. <laughs> That's what happened. Even if I never buy a ticket, I want somebody to just hand me the winning ticket. Okay. So last question. Now uh, we'll see what, I know people can't necessarily see the video if they're, they're listening on a, on a streaming site, but hopefully we will get video taken care of on this eventually. But what you can't see is that Bobby and I have dressed up for this episode because we can't go anywhere. We busted (laughs) out our party clothes. (laughs) You look lovely, by the way. I feel like I should have introed with this. Yes. yes. So if you were going to pick one dance song, you get to be DJ at the club for five minutes, what are you going to pick? Mm. So I have, I have a, a self-proclaimed walk-up song, which I'm not going to share because it has, well, I can, I can. I can ex- I can share the non-explicit version. It's black. Back that thing up. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> however, <laughs> on before. Oh my gosh. Um, but it, you know, it might be um, it might be notorious big hypnotize. <laughs> yes, which we definitely talked about on Twitter last week. So <laughs> okay. I made my kids listen to it last night. 
my kids know almost all the words to the, to the song, so it's it's amazing. We have dance parties, and, and that's definitely a, a highly requested song in, in my kitchen. It's a great song. I mean, it it's amazing. Yeah, so I think, um, yeah, somewhere in the in the relics of some phone that's been laying around our house and has been long since expired, there is a video of my son lip syncing to Ice Ice Baby. I love it. Is that your song? Was that your pick? What's your no, pick? That would not, <laughs> that would not be my pick. Um, gosh, what would my pick be if there was, I feel like I, I got to look at my, I got to look. I feel like I had this in my head this morning as I was just like, I don't know. So I am, uh, I like Jay-Z, but he's so explicit. So you'd have to yeah. do the clean version of Dirt Off Your Shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a great song. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah, that's that would that would be mine. That's mine today. I don't know. It could be something different tomorrow. So, we did a a, a social hour on Zoom with our sales team last week. Yeah, and we had a dance party, and um, I I had been spending time, Olivia, just like organizing my basement and like going through stuff and trying to to donate some stuff and just decluttering. Um, someone had put on peanut butter jelly time. Well, oh if you're a fan of a family guy, you know, that there's, there's a costume that, um, usually accompanies that. And I happen to have one in, in my basement and I knew exactly where it was. So oh in an instant I was in a banana costume and we were having a dance party on zoom last week. So that was a ton of fun. So oh my that's God. how my extrovert is dealing with this whole isolation. Yeah. I'm going to like make my bedroom into a club. Like I'm going to get a disco ball and lights. My son asked for like lighting for his room so that he could make it a little more fun than it is right now. And I was like, I don't want to buy this stuff for you, but I also totally get it. Like we all are, we're trying to find our own little coping mechanisms and the way that we're creating joy in, in really difficult times. So I'm like, eh, I'll get it. I'll get it for you. I need to support his, his creativity and Lord knows that he can't have anybody in there with him. So <laughs> <laughs> don't have to worry about like he's throwing a party in his bedroom or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, but that's awesome. Well, I am so glad that we got to catch up today. I'm thank you so much for your time. I know that even though we're not traveling, we still have all of the obligations, we're covering all of the bases plus more and, uh, more zoom meetings. I'm sure you have more zoom meetings today. I have a couple more today. <laughs> Myself. Yeah, it's, it's constant. Thank God for Zoom. It's a, yeah. it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for being generous with your time and your thoughts. And I look forward to seeing you in person again soon. But until then, I will have to just see you through social. Yes. Well, thank you for the invite. I had so much fun. It was great to see you. And thanks for getting me out of yoga pants and snooky buns and into a nice dress. <laughs> I am wearing all of my dresses every day. Like people think I'm crazy, but I'm I'm just like, no, I gotta get this stuff out. I bought this stuff. I gotta use it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh. Well in the meantime, stay awesome, Olivia. It was it was great to be a guest. Yes. Thank you so much. And we'll we'll catch up soon. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. This has been the You Don't Know Schmidt podcast. I'm Olivia Schmidt, and I hope you've enjoyed the conversation in today's show. If this is your first time with us, make sure to subscribe now. Then you'll be first in line to hear new episodes with a new guest and a whole new perspective. And if you know anybody who could benefit from hearing any part of today's conversation, 
feel free to share the show. We're always looking for new fans and there's always highly valuable information in each of these episodes. I wish you all the best until we meet again.